0: Welcome everybody to another edition of Are You Not Entertained. This week it is Goal Own Goal and who better to talk about goals and own goals than the
1: human own goal himself, Roger Mitchell. Roger, <laughs> yes. come Here in, my friend, again. how are you? Here we are again, the human own goal, the human cannonball. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, how, <laughs> all, right, yes, all good and um, uh, we're not short of own goals. This world of sport is crazy, Grant. I know you're the other side yeah, of the world um i don't i don't know i mean, i didn't see it but i've picked up that we, we're doing this on palm sunday so i'm just up but you have been up most of the day and you probably saw the grand prix did you oh it's going to feature heavily in both right, my goals okay. and own goals all right okay <laughs> <probably> okay
0: <laughs> oh, well, well, don't know, why don't we kick off with that if
1: you're just up i'll take i'll take the hill. you, first t- you take and, that and one because that. i'm i'm still a bit um, punch drunk reading about yeah. that jesus
0: yeah, so it's fascinating. I'm staying with two very, very dear friends of mine. Shout out to Bruce and Rachel. Um, and uh, Rach is not a sports fan per se, doesn't mind it, but she's not glued in. She's not a Formula One fan, but she is a massive Drive to Survive fan. Interesting. Has watched every episode, loves the show, loves all the characters, got opinions on everyone, just brilliant. Um, and so we had the Grand Prix on. Uh, I was playing a bit of backgammon with Bruce. and <laughs> thrashing him, I might add, in case he's listening to this. And we had the Grand Prix on in the background. And look, it it was a massive goal, a massive own goal. It was everything wrapped into one, Roger. Now, for anyone that didn't see it, they had a red flag after uh, on the fourth lap, which meant half an hour of faffing around before they could get the race started again. Then a reasonably uneventful race, during which time Verstappen went past Hamilton... And within three laps was three seconds ahead of him. It's extraordinary how much faster that Red Bull car is. And what followed was a fairly uneventful Grand Prix until there were four laps left when there was another shunt, another red flag. And so with with four laps left, they had a standing start. When the pace car comes out and leads them around on the warm-up lap, that counts as one lap. Uh, And therein is going to lie the problem shortly. So they had three laps of racing left, standing start, The lights go out and pandemonium ensues. I mean, Verstappen gets away well. Hamilton's tucked in behind him. Fernando Alonso's in third. He gets clipped. The two Alpine cars hit each other. Uh, Sergio Perez goes off onto the gravel. It was absolutely... I think six or seven cars ended up getting knocked out in this this lap. They came around, another red flag. So they had a red flag with one lap to go. So, so exciting with a three-lap race at the end. Crazy excitement when you see all this pandemonium and you're thinking, right, they've got one more lap. It's everything to play for. You've got Hamilton, Verstappen and Alonso all starting within cooey of each other with one lap to go. This is going to be amazing. And I guess the rules are that the pace car comes out, guides them around the track. They're going to do a rolling start this time instead of a standing start because of all the chaos. So they have a procession around the track led by the pace car and the pace car pulls off and they go over the line and that's the end of the Grand Prix. And, you know, I'm listening to the commentary, Rog, and they're saying, well, you know, we don't know if they're going to do the Standing Star or the Rolling Star, and the stewards are, you know, discussing it now. And I'm thinking, where's the fans in all this? Where are the 400... Where are the 400,000 people that came to see a race, came to see their heroes, came to see the cars they follow, came to make this event what it is? Where are they in all this? Why are the rules not... You know, the fans are here, we need to give them a finish. We need to give them what they came for. You know, it's absolutely ridiculous that F1, with all the publicity it gets, with all the money thrown at it, with all the TV coverage and the drive to survive, it has everything going for it, and it finds a way to shoot itself in the foot with the rules at every single opportunity. I was was so upset watching this, Rog. I'm sitting there thinking this is going to be great. One lap left. And then you realise as they're all talking it over in the commentary and stuff, and, you know, we wait half an hour for this last lap and it's a procession around the track. And, I, and I, just, I, I just don't get why they don't understand what they have here and why they don't get how important the fan is. You know, we talk about this all the time, the importance of the fan. And
1: it seems to me that F1 just either doesn't get it or couldn't give a toss. Well, can I come back to Formula One in a second? Because I'm going to take that last point. You're the everyman football fan, From as far as I'm concerned. You tell me in what universe it works where we see a guy clearly offside, he's off-ref, they allow the game to go on, and 10 minutes later, they put the flag up. You know, it's it's the same theme. It's the same thing with VAR and handball. Nobody understands. There's a big theme in sport now that they are in this, what I... One of the things I really hate in life, form over substance, they're getting into this world of form over substance, they're forgetting about that in in the entertainment business, as you say, what about the fan? And they're shooting themselves in the foot, and you know, we said this before about Formula One a couple of years ago, and certainly when Verstappen won that last race here's how i look here's here's how i look at formula one right they are spending literally hundreds of millions to eke out very small margins very very small margins uh the, the 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 sport now is very much based around strategy and and tires and undercuts and overcuts and everything like that which is all fair enough right but you cannot have that, you cannot have that type of sport set out as a game of marginal gains when you have got the randomness of a safety car that throws everything up in the air. And all your work over three days, all your engineers trying to get a, a fraction of a second and you get unlucky, like like I think Russell today gets unlucky and you're going from leading the race that you've started beautifully to end up in seventh. That's Why do they not see this? This is going to kill the sport. If they don't get this th- this fact sorted out, that it's totally incoherent to be going for millisecond of advantages, spending hundreds of millions, and you can have uh, the random volatility event, the black swan, but it's not even that black because it happened three times today, uh, yeah. throwing up everything, you know? And-, and, well, and I I think they're in danger. I would love to hear what the girl that liked uh, um, Drive to Survive said, because I honestly think they've got ahead of themselves in Formula One and they've got a major problem. Not just what I've just said, but what you said a second ago. Red Bull is making this a procession and... I don't know how they solve that. It's it's always the difficulty for for sport. You know, it's like Bayern Munich in Germany. It's always an issue. You want to support excellence. You want to support uh, elitism. But at the same time, as an entertainment product, it kills it. It's one of the big problems of sport. But in this one, you know, I never saw the race. I've got a lot of Formula One people here in Italy and, and not in Italy coming on to me and say, Roger, this was one of the worst Keystone Cop Examples of sport That you will ever see
0: Yeah it was But do you know What really Really uh, I, I found to be Probably the most Upsetting part of it Was The drivers The team principals Were just like Meh this is, yeah, we understand the rules. There, there's no frustration. There's no, this is ridiculous. There's no outrage. You know, Hamilton was, oh, well, you know, and Stephen was, well, you know, and Toto Wolf didn't seem bothered by it, and Christian Horner didn't seem bothered by it, you know. And it's just, if you're not fighting to make your sport the most attractive you can for your fans, for your fans, then what are you doing? Because otherwise it just becomes this. Great big liveried circle jerk, Roger. And you can you can trademark yeah. that if you want. Yeah, yeah, because that's what line. it becomes, right? It's just, great it's line. just, it, it, you know. I, I just, I, it was so frustrating because it had all the ingredients for something that people would talk about for years, and it achieved that for all the wrong reasons. And what did
1: the girls say that lights drives to survive? How? What was her reaction?
0: Oh, it's like me, just oh, what a, what a damn squib that was. You know, we were all geared up for a you know a one lap winner takes all,
1: and it just just fizzled out. And but, know, but, I, I, but even before that, the fact the, the bit about Russell, which I I find th- th- like I said earlier, really difficult to get your head around. he starts beautifully, goes in the race uh, and the, the the first safety car screws on because of the pit stop and everything like that. did that casual fan, the one that likes drives to survive, do they have a reaction to that or is it just well, I guess something interesting's happening here. I don't really understand what, but hey, I like George Russell.
0: Yeah, no, I, th- I think I think there are different levels of understanding of the sport, right? And uh, and I think the more you pay attention to the races themselves, the more you understand the damage. Like something like a, a, a safety car does. If you're not really watching the races, then it's tough to really understand what a ridiculous uh, disadvantage it is to anyone who's in Russell's position. So I, I, I don't think necessarily that gets the kind of attention from the casual fan that it deserves um, but I just uh, you know I, I'm, I'm baffled Rog as to, as to how you could not have seen something like this coming that, that's the thing that I guess I find so ridiculous it's like how do you not have a rule that says if we're within four laps of the end of the race and the safety car comes out the minimum after a safety car is three laps or, or whatever it is and if the race goes long the race goes long Whatever it is, because you, you have to have seen this coming. What if we get a, a crash on the last lap of the race? Oh, well, we'll just lead them all around with the safety car and so, then we'll so, call it so, a day.
1: So can I, put a, can I put a heading on that? Mr. Williams is surprised that sport uh, doesn't see things coming. <laughs> Let, let no, me let, yeah, right. <laughs> doesn't doesn't see the yeah. direction of travel is perhaps a little bit complacent <laughs> that's got its head in the sand let's change it to mr williams channel his inner mitchell how's that that's a, that's a little bit listen better. Oh, oh, listen I, i'm not influencing you you're your own man All, you came to that in your own way but that's the I reality i did that's the reality well, Let, what, what have you got for me well i'm gonna i'm gonna segue on to that and i'm uh, a lot of people are saying that we don't have enough goals on this this is, this is a goal and and the other thing people are saying is that sometimes we get very very serious like the one we did in the middle east was pretty intense so like we, we've got we've got to change that a little bit remember when we were talking and again we're coming back to these sports talks. remember Breakpoint, the one about tennis yes Can you remember we discussed that And I I said that um, I was slightly concerned because when you saw the episode with Berettini, he was hanging out with this other girl tennis player that I thought was bringing him down. Yeah. uh, And I thought he should dump her. Um, Well, he did dump her. He did dump her. And um, let's say he's not traded up. He's not traded up. Let me give you some background here. He's now dating this um, Italian showgirl called Melissa Sata. Um, who? Who? Um, Italians not know who I'm talking about, uh, but she's got previous. She's got previous. She, she's got a career. Apparently, I didn't know this, but she did date Kobe Bryant, who I remember played in Italy. Um, Christian Vieri. Yeah, but he was about he was about 16 when he traded when he played in Italy, Rog. <laughs> Well, this well, I don't want to comment. Actually, no, on his, that. Dad, his dad played in Italy. You... No, Kobe, I Kobe played can... in Italy. Yes, yes, absolutely. He, 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 he would have been Nitt- very, very young because he went. Well, he uh, went to he went
0: to the NBA straight. She would from have high been school.
1: young as well. She would have been young as well. So she's got a history of dating football players, influencers, and the kind of people you see on red carpets and things like that. Fair enough. I mean, she's not the only one like that. But the point is this: at one point, she was dating the footballer. You may not remember him, Kevin. Uh, prince boateng you remember that player
0: uh, i do i do remember right okay
1: her, yeah. he, he played for milan and she ran into him in milan at the fashion week of course that's where they would run into each other um and then um this is a case of uh correlation does uh is causation he gets injured all the time it's immediately after they start dating and and she's not the brightest right she's not the brightest because milan see what's coming and kind of let punt him to Barcelona, who were in that phase where they were making so many bad buys, and they bought him. And he he basically never kicked a ball, never kicked a ball for Barcelona. And she comes out uh, in the press, uh, serious press, and said um, this, the reason Kevin is injured so often is because we have sex seven to ten times a week. I hate foreplay. I want to go straight for it. I prefer to be on top so that I can be in control. Um, and that was the explanation why Kevin was not performing on the pitch and never, ever did again. He went the usual route of, I don't know, if I think he ended up in Turkey or something like that, I don't know. But the point is, they then ultimately got divorced... I think they ended for, up in Scotland then. Yeah, well, that could have been... They then ultimately got divorced, uh, as he quoted, uh, is quoted as, he got divorced because uh, of his mental illness... <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Potein, <laughs> after years with Melissa Sata, got divorced because of mental illness. That's a funny way to phrase how she described their relationship. But let's say it wasn't compatible with an athlete's life. Well, guess what? She's now dating Berrettini, yeah? How many right. games has Berrettini won since he started dating her? <laughs> to the nearest one? <laughs> <I'm guessing. laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm guessing he's spending a lot of time not on top. No, he's not on top. But on, on the call and off. Yeah, he's not he's not one I say, I don't think. I, I don't know, but but the point is, you know, like break point, you know, you wanna get some really good content in that series, you gotta start following Melissa Sata. You've gotta start following her. But I wanna end by being nice to tennis because I'm always nasty to tennis. At the same time that the Italian Berrettini kind of like drops off what he was the next big hope, wasn't he? got to the Wimbledon final and everything. He's been replaced by another one, the chap Sinner, who with um the Spanish guy Alcatar Alcatraz, Alcatraz yeah. whatever his name is. Um Alcaraz, yeah. they yeah, whatever. They 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 seem to be the new uh, Federer and, and Nadal, the way they're pitching them, they had this great semi-final, was it in Indian Wells? Uh, and and you know they're both 19 or 20 so you know maybe there is some light on the horizon for the world of tennis that they can find a rivalry that's going to kick them on again i'd like to think that so that, <laughs> sinner uh, is my goal of of goal of the week for for well and, for this and week.
0: look and and, and alcaraz you know his his attitude is fantastic you know if you've seen him his press conference he's just like he just loves to play tennis right and and yes he's young and he hasn't had time to become cynical, yeah, <laughs> it all.
1: Yeah, he's got the eyes, yeah. hasn't he?
0: He's got the eyes. Yeah, man, he definitely has. It's going to be interesting to watch him. We, uh, you know, because he's he's still got to get past Djokovic and Nadal. I mean, Federer's stepped aside, and Murray's basically done. Uh, but uh, he's still got to get past Djokovic and Nadal. So it'll be fun to watch him. You know. Bash up against them and see how he breaks through because
1: inevitably he will, Roger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So over to you. What have you got? Well, no. you want you want a goal.
0: I've got a goal for you. And, and look, and this is this is a goal every year for me, and it is absolutely at the top of my sporting bucket list. It's, it's the one sporting event that I really want to go to that I haven't been to yet, um, and that is the NCAA men's basketball championship, the Final Four. The whole March Madness tournament every year is yeah, yeah. such a highlight it's it's unbelievable i don't know any sporting event that delivers the way that does every year in terms of buzzer beaters upsets incredible athleticism storylines great coaches great players you know it, it's it's unbelievable it is it is undefeated in terms of entertainment value in for the entirety of the time i've been watching it which is a, a, at least 2 decades now and going on 3 and again, this this NCAA championship has been one for the ages, Roger. I mean, we've had so many upsets uh, along the way, which is you know which is what everybody loves. We, we ended up with the final four uh, with no number one seeds. I think for the first certainly there were no number one seeds in the elite eight or the uh, sweet sixteen. I don't think for the first time, uh, I think in history, I would have to double check that. Actually, no, know, beg your pardon, there were a couple of number one seeds, so it must be the the, the the elite eight. But um, we ended up with the final four. This weekend, the first game was played, it's Sunday night here in Australia, so it was played um, It was played last night in America. Uh, number four seed, UConn, beat the number five seed, Miami, uh, 72-59. And in the other semifinal, Florida Atlantic, who are the nine seed, which is, for anyone not used to this, that's a low seed to get into the final four, playing San Diego State and playing really, really well until, as always happens, with two seconds left on the clock, uh, Butler, the the San Diego State point guard, dribbles down the lane, finds space, puts so on up a shot, and, and it, it's one of those perfect moments where the ball's in the air. You hear the buzzer go, and you wait, and time seems to stop until you see Lovely. this ball just drop through, and it has a way of dropping through the basketball a net yeah. with a swoosh, and the net yeah. goes up. It's just <laughs> it's just pure sporting poetry, and and there's very little, I think that can compare to the NCAA Final Four in terms of excitement, athleticism, stories, upsets. It's just magnificent, Roger. And, and say so this tournament has been one for the ages. I'm going to miss the final, sadly, because I'm going to be on a plane back to, uh, back to the US. So I'm absolutely gutted about that. But it's just been, again, a remarkable, remarkable tournament. And anyone that hasn't watched this before, find a way on YouTube or wherever to, to look at the highlights of, of these games and the highlights of the tournament, because they will be up there. Uh, it's just fantastic.
1: Yeah, I'm tickled by the fact, you've got to love the Americans, as I love to say, God bless America. The alliteration, Sweet Sixteen, Elite, yep, elite Eight, eight Final, Final four. four. I mean, like yep. they make it simple, don't they? They're, they're not making you work for it, it's really... But no, serious question. Why is there not what we have in, uh, over here in these things that it's always the same teams that get to the, the semis or the Champions League and everything like that? Why do you have such jeopardy and uh, s- s- such uncertainty of result? What What's, what's the reason for that? Well, you, so you have 68 teams that start the team of
0: uh, 64 and you have... Um, yeah, the lowest eight teams have, like, uh, play-in games, if you like. Um, yeah, 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 So there's, there's 32 automatic bids, and you, and you get those by winning your conference title, yeah. right, to, to keep it in, in, um, in easy to understand terms. And then there are 36 teams who are given what are known as at-large bids. So there's a selection committee for the NCAA, and they choose the additional teams that are going to make up based on their performance over the year, and then they seed them. And... When I used to work in New York, and in March everything stopped the games because the games in the early rounds when there's you know 64 teams in, the games are played through the day you know for for several days, and so there'd be TVs in the trading room, the games would be on, and of course you can just about guarantee that there are there are people whose
1: alma mater was playing every time.
0: And, yeah, but what, and what, what, what I'm seeing.
1: What I'm saying, Grant, is why are they so evenly balanced? Why is there not big colleges and small... Why does it seem well, to be are, so... Well, there are, e- Rog, there are.
0: Look, there, there, are, there, are, there, are, there are habitual uh, teams that are habitually in this thing. You know, the Dukes, the UNCs, back in the day, UCLA, Kansas, Kentucky, UConn. You know, there, there, are, there are teams that are traditionally right. basketball powerhouses, for sure. And it's always a story if those teams don't get in. But you always get these these teams that come out of nowhere... And, you know, it's very rare that, uh, that uh, you know, a 16 seed beats a one seed. But we had, you know, a couple of those this year. We've had so many upsets. It's just, it's just magical. And everyone has a pool. Everyone fills in a bracket. Lovely. And, Lovely. and this year, every bracket in America, I'm sure, was torched within two rounds because there were so many upsets this year in the, in the early going. No one had a, a had a bracket left. I wouldn't have thought, but by the time they got down to the to the Sweet Sixteen, not a chance. So it's just been it's just been a fantastic tournament, as it always is. But this year, uh, there really was just so much of everything that that tournament brings you. I, I've just loved every minute of it.
1: Good, good. Well, the reason I was I was asking about the balance thing here is, is I wanted to segue onto, you know, what's happening in English football, and I have to be honest. Normally, I've got a pretty strong opinion on stuff. But this one, I just haven't managed to lock myself away and put a towel over my head and think it through. But there's a lot going on in English football, and maybe you can help me. You can, like, you know, we can free, freestyle this a little bit because, you know, you think about two or three things that are happening here. Um, big things. Um, people of my generation know how important the close period was, the three o'clock Saturday close period was for the culture of uh, British football. Um, I... I was probably set up in my job to be somebody that didn't like that um, because it stopped your monetization possibilities. But instinctively, I did like it, even though I never admitted it, because um, I do believe that, you know, even amateur football, playing in parks, schools football, it usually happens on a Saturday afternoon. And if you've got just wall-to-wall football, then there are going to be a lot of people I believe that stop playing, stop getting out in the fresh air, stop having a sporting experience and just get on a, a couch and, and start watching, you know, all kinds of football. So I, I, I think I'm in favour of the closed period uh, for that reason. Uh, and and it looks as if it's going to go. The, the same thing, another thing happening is... The zone, our friends at the we, zone, we love the uh, zone. Markovsky, John Glacier, uh, Mark uh, Mark Watson, even Peter Permenter, you know, like the good mates there. But I can't work this out. I haven't spoken to them. I haven't spoken to them. But here's what I want to ask you about, Grant. In a moment where I believe it is undeniable that the attraction and the appeal as a product of 90 minutes of football is diminishing certainly with younger audiences, why are you going the other direction and just giving more and more and more 90 minutes that I think is wrong? I believe, again, it's just about maximising money for a league that just doesn't make sense. Another part of this that I, I don't understand is if you look at English football since... The, the the whole professionalisation of it the last 30 years. Arguably, it was healthier in the 80s financially. Um, you know, it wasn't the financial basket case. It is the EFL today. And the reason for that is not because uh, revenues haven't gone up. Re- revenues have gone up massively in football for 30 years. It's that they haven't controlled the cost side. It's the Alan Sugar prune juice thing. So why are you continuing... To increase the revenue side when all you do is make players and agents more rich, you don't get yourself out of financial problems. Uh, Why are you doing that? Why are you ruining the principle of scarcity and making your product like a commodity? Um, And and why are you getting rid of the closed periods that I think is pretty important if you do believe football is a social asset where you can play at all kinds of levels? As I say, Grant, that's what's going around my head. I haven't had a chance to really sharpen the thinking and see if it all joins up together. But in my gut, it seems wrong to me all this last week of news here. Yeah, look, I I must admit I felt the
0: same, Rog. You know, I, 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 it's funny in the U.S. you have local blackouts because most of the, the baseball, for example, will be shown on on a local cable channel. And if the Yankees, for example, are playing at home in New York, it'll be blacked out. You won't be able to watch it unless they're on you know, like TNT or TBS or whoever's showing the baseball. And when I read that news about all these games being shown, I felt I, feel, I feel exactly the same as you. You know, it's it's funny when I'm in Asia or I'm in the US, I love the fact that I can watch every game. Every game is streamed live, but it's not doing any damage to the the crowd. Those people aren't going to the games. And when I'm back in the UK, there's something magical about, you don't get to see the games, right? You listen on your radio or you're checking your app or you've got notifications coming through while you're out doing stuff. And uh, I'm with you. I I mean, I come from it from a much more traditional point of view than you do. Uh, I think all your points are well made. I think you're absolutely right. For me, this was an inevitable barrier that was going to go, unfortunately, because, as I say, I have seen all these games get televised overseas. Uh, it was just a matter of time before someone paid enough to, to get the rights in, in the UK, Rog. Uh, and I, and I, again, you know, I don't think this is a sacred cow anymore. And, and I think it'll get slaughtered like all the others do, which which will be a great shame. I, I think it'll be a great shame, but I, I, I just think that's the direction of travel. A wise man once told me, that's what you had to watch.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, listen, in Italy, we've had this for a long time, and this gives me an advantage. And you can, every game, and I think everybody says, oh, all the other countries have it, but they never add comma, all the other countries have it, comma, and it doesn't work. They never add that. You know, all they're focused on is the revenue, the revenue, the revenue. In Italy, you can see everything, every game. You know, Como plays in the second division, and, and every game is on Sky Italy here. And Como football is a shambles. I'm sorry, the people that have been bought into it, Dennis Wise and all that, but I'm sorry it is. There's 300 or 400 guys our age. Uh, with a fat belly, that go there and they still scream like the ultras, you know, and, and the stadium's horrible and everything like that. And, and and you know, any marginal fan that you're trying to attract, a girlfriend, a wife, a family, a kid, you're not going to go to a rundown stadium that is totally dominated by hardcore ultra fans that are in the main very nasty especially when the game, every game is on TV and you say, look, son, you know, how about we just stay in and, you know, after that game, we'll we'll, we'll get to see the next one. We, we won't have all the travel time. We won't have to find a parking space and everything like that. This idea that you show every game, you go away massively from the principle of scarcity, you throw more and more games at this industry of football is a horrendous mistake, especially if we want to talk in the same moment about brand building. Anybody serious that works in brand knows that you keep it scarce, you keep it rare and you keep it something to be kind of like cherished and look forward to. Now, I know, Grant, I know why they're doing this, right? And it's part of a bigger thing. You know, I always believe what is the real problem you're trying to solve here? The real problem you're trying to solve here is that the English Premier League has run away from the rest of English football, just like it's run away from the German League, the Italian League, the Spanish League. We keep talking about this. So the English Football League, the lower divisions, want to bridge that gap. They've got the government to help them, a government who stopped the super League, a government who's becoming quite a heavy regulator in terms of uh, controlling a product that is one of Britain's great success stories of the last 30 years, the English Premiership. The English football uh, is trying to find uh, a, an answer to something that is not solvable. It is not solvable. Um, in the sense that you cannot, with promotion and relegation, balance up 90-92 football clubs. You can't. Uh, It doesn't work. It's too risky. It just just doesn't work. And, 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 you know, the way that they've thought about trying to do this is, one, block the top teams from doing what they really should do and going into a closed league like the NFL. Two, take the top league money and redistribution down to to the lower leagues as if that's going to solve the problem. Now, all that does in my mind, and and my thinking even on this podcast is starting to come into focus a little bit, it's a high tax regime cost of business for a great product. I mean, like most people won't remember this, but in the 60s and 70s, The creators in Great Britain, the artists, the film stars, they didn't live in Britain because of, you know, that George Harrison line, Mm -hmm. one for you, 19 for me. It, It seems absurd now, but that's the way it used to be. They went and lived somewhere else because the British tax regime was totally unfair. Now... I'm not saying that's where we are, 1-19 in just now, but that is, again, the direction of travel. The UK government has decided to throw a lot of cost of business, I like to use the word tax, at English Premier League football, and they will come to regret this because the more they do that, the more they are susceptible to the pitch. What are you getting today, guys? What, 90 million a year? I'll show you a model that shows you getting 350. How about you want to leave? You know, the arbitrage play. That's all of this stuff that's in the news and different ways of looking at it. I haven't read any of the articles because this is too hard to work out, Grant. You know, like it's it's complex and most people don't want to hear what I've just said. They just want to say football's important. Super leagues are bad. Let's d- redistribute the money. That's an error. I'm telling you, that's an error.
0: Yeah, Roger, uh, look... Well, there's not really much I can but say to that. But tell me I'm I wrong. Tell
1: me I'm wrong. I'm. I'm no, like I am I'm freestyling.
0: I'd no, I'd love to. I'd love to tell you you're wrong, but I, I, but I don't think you are. You know, I, I, I still hold out hope that the Super League doesn't happen. And I still think there is a glimmer of hope. But with every approach they make, they're tweaking their comms, they're tweaking their approach. And obviously, Infantino now has got his beak in the trough with the, the World Club Championship. Yeah. Now, there, are, there are so many forces pulling at the fabric of football now that inevitably one of them is is going to be successful. I, I don't know how long until that happens. But I, I guess my only question, Rog, is once it does happen, how you measure success and whether it, it turns out to be a success. Because like, I can't speak for German fans or Italian fans, but I have a pretty good idea how they would feel about this. I don't think... A Real Madrid fan wants to play Man United and Juventus and, Mil- and AC Milan every week. I don't. I think they want to play Barcelona, and Real Betis, and Atletico. No, yeah, I, don't I, just, so. I don't think so. I don't. I do. So. I just do, Rog. I, I, I know. I know the argument, and I, and I know you make a very eloquent case for it. But, I, 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 but, I, but I is just isn't don't a Super think, league because it becomes. Isn't... Because it becomes. No, I know. I know. I know. I know what you're saying. But that's the splitting point of this, right? When the Super League gets in. That's either the cause or the effect of the split. That's what it ends up in. It's either the Super League tears this thing apart or they get forced to go to the Super League for all the reasons you laid out. Um
1: and yeah. I just I just wonder what success looks like. Because I don't know. I don't know, Grant. Yeah. I, I don't I don't, know I don't know. You know, like if I had the answer to this, I would be, you know, heavily marketing that I've got the secret sauce. I don't. All I know is that what people are seeing is problems that they're trying to resolve with redistribution, with restraint of trade, because not allowing uh, Man United to go to a Super League is nothing other than a government restraint of trade. Uh, These are the wrong problems and the wrong solutions that they are addressing. The bigger one is this one. Let's just start here. Why are you all bust because you pay agents and players way too much money? Let's yeah. start on that at the top of day 1 of the the workshop. Why are you all bust? Because listen, in any other business, football should be quite a nice uh, way to make money. You get your money up front. You know, um you know, I did an article today about Warren Buffett and wine investing and insurance We're it's coming because on to you that. get All oh, right, okay. <laughs> right. Okay. Um so like what I'm saying is grant Don't talk about redistribution and tax and stopping people making, you know, the the most of their brand. Get the player costs under control. We don't care if they're poor, do we? We care about football. We didn't care in the 60s when a player had his career, got a testimonial, opened up a pub and, and became a, a pub owner for the rest of his life. That was dignified, you know? Uh, uh, we don't need them to be earning 400 grand a week. We don't want it. So why don't you address that problem? And then we can talk about balance and structures and everything like that. And, you yeah, know, look. Yeah, you're right. We've said it before. Football needs a salary cap. There's no there's no two ways about
0: it, Raj. It's absolutely, you know, if you want to level the playing field, if you want to get rid of all the things that the uh, the regulators say they're trying to get rid of, you know, financial fair play and all this stuff, it's actually a really simple solution. Really simple. Yeah. You, yep. you you put a salary cap in place and you make it one that every team can afford. And you yep. know what happens? The good players still want to play for the big clubs. They have to do it on lower wages. So, yep. great. Right? It's it's not difficult. It's not like if Ronaldo's got the choice between getting 50 grand a week, he would choose Rotherham over Man United. No, he's going to want to play for Man United. It It doesn't change anything. It just lowers the cost base and makes the whole thing more affordable. And look, whether they choose to do it or it gets forced upon them by economics is another matter we can argue. I suspect the latter is probably going to loom large in front of them in the not too distant future. But we wait, Rog. I mean, as you say, direction of travel is
1: everything and we can see where this is going. You just don't know if it's going to get pushed or pulled there, ultimately. I mean, look, at you mentioned Man United there. Uh, two or three of our lads, you know, the Como lads and the people that like this podcast, Dave Lip, James Dree, they all came on to me about the Man United-Wrexham game and that little clip they did with Ferguson. And th- have you seen the prices of the in the secondary market of the tickets for that game? No, you know, I haven't. It's... I mean like Dave Lip sent it to me I've got it here You know like you know $920 You know it's completely sold out Man United aren't even taking their first team They're taking the kids Now tell me We had to wreck something when it was announced Three years ago whatever two years ago Tell me why is that game sold out Why is that, Why is that working that game What do you think Grant yeah, look, look, absolutely. Absolutely right. You're, you're absolutely
0: right, Rog. It's, uh, but those are Hollywood prices, right? And it, if, if for anyone that watched Welcome to Wrexham, which we spoke about at length, is, yes. is absolutely fantastic. And I cannot wait for the second season of that thing to come out. Um, you, you look at the people who are part of that club or part of that town and those prices and that type of thing, that is not going to go down very well and it's not going to last very long, Rog. Um, you know, if that happens, and if they, those people get priced out of going to see Wrexham, um, it's not going to end well. It's not going to end well at all because that's a small town, a very tight knit community, and you know, I I I think there will be problems around that. I just don't think they're going to go. Oh well, you know, we'll
1: we'll wait until they that. play they play Crawley that. Town I get next. That. You know. But but you know like the the point the point I'm making and I'm going to use another example here two actually two examples one was I saw something about Rory McIlroy he was actually playing in some tournament and he had he had earphones in and he was actually commenting he was his plate as he was yeah. playing did you see that you yeah. know like I'm about to hit a five iron I'm hoping that you know I'm going to get a little bit of a, a high draw he, he pulls it a wee bit into the left you know oh dear that didn't go well you know like, what what, what did you think about that I mean. You know I should like that? I didn't like that, Grant. I didn't like that. Oh, that's interesting. That's that's really interesting because I, I, I as I watched that, that, I thought, oh, Roger will be all over this. Didn't like it. There's another example I'll come on to a minute that I do like. What
0: didn't you like about it?
1: He's fucking playing his profession. You know, like, you're not chatting while you're giving your best. You've got to be laser-focused as an athlete. Hang on,
0: hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, They've been doing this on the European Tour for a while. Uh, What's his name? Um... Ian Barter, is it, who walks along with a boom mic as the players come off the tee. They've hit their drives and they're walking down... You know, they've got a 300-yard walk and he interviews them as they're walking off the tee. I've seen him in and Eddie and I they ask him how the round's different, going. I slightly well,
1: it's different. It's the same
0: thing, but that's where it started. Um, and I, I think I, I, for the fan... Getting inside their head as they're thinking. I, I, I didn't know. It's weird that we should be on the size we are of this because I actually thought it was actually quite uh, accretive to the whole process to to get inside their heads as they're doing that. And I, don't, I don't think necessarily when Rory McElroy hits his drive and is walking those three hundred yards, he's not spending those five minutes focusing on that shot. He's walking up. He's thinking about his round. He's thinking about. But you, you, you know these guys when you listen to them talk. They say, once I get over the ball, I focus for. That's three my seconds point. to hit the
1: shot. That's my yeah, point. T- right, but that's my point. I didn't see him talking while he was hitting the shot. I, it was between shots that I saw. Well, okay, but I mean, like he has to like uh, go through. He's over the shop. He shot. He takes the headphones and the mic out, gives it to the caddy, uh, hits the shot, puts them back in, and then starts says, "I pulled that one." I, I, I think that's too close to the bone for me. I, I, I don't. I don't think Rory McElroy is doing that if he
0: thinks it doesn't help him. I'm not saying it helps him but I'm saying if he thought it screwed up his mind or whatever he would just wouldn't do it. Well, you anyway, say to them, was... you know I'll only talk to you for the first you know 100 yards off the tee or whatever. I don't think he's doing it. Well, no, no I
1: think he's I think he's knowing this. I think he is actually I think this is Rory and the PG Tours big thing now. We're going to outmodern live so we're going to go for all these gimmicks. We're, we're, you know, we're going to double doubt. And, and and I think that's part of it. And I think he knows that that's the battle he's in. He's going to out-modern, uh, product-market fit these guys. And everybody wants chat access and only wants the superstars. He's got that, that thing with Tiger, all that. So I think that's exactly what his head is. I, I don't think he wants to do that. Uh, and I think he's... he's uh, but the other one I wanted to mention is what what I think is much more the direction of travel that I do like. Um, this is sent by another one of our Como guys, Tom Pitts from Line Rock. Um this is a Barstool podcast called Spitting Chiclets. Have you ever seen that? No. Right, it's actually not someone's as bad got, as it Someone's sounds. getting their teeth knocked out by the, by the yeah, side Yeah, that's right. There's, it's two ice hockey guys, right? Old ice hockey guys that have got a podcast and it's very bro. And, you know, they talk like 18 year olds and, um, you know, then they get guests on and it's, you know, it's, 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 it's a good product. It's not for everybody, but in the Barstool uh, type of thing, it works and these two are credible. But the point is they've expanded that now into a golf match. A, a four ball where they invite others. They can be current players of hockey, of other sports, personalities, everything like that. It's just a classic four guys playing golf. They're, they are mic'd up and they are what's called chirping. I think that's what they call it in hockey, yeah. where you're yeah. you're sl- you're, sl- you're sledging, right? And, and 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 Tom Pitts sent it to me, and he says, check out the number of views of this. And, and the last time I checked, it was four hundred thirty nine thousand views. Uh, t- YouTube, of four guys that can't play golf that are sledging each other bro-style while they're playing. And, and you know, that's a huge amount of use. Grant, that is a lot of well, <laughs> That's a lot of yeah, use. You're,
0: you're right, rog, but I, I, I and this is a genuine lack of knowledge on my part and understanding of it, but I don't know what counts as a view, right? I, if you tune in, watch it for two minutes and go, oh, this is shite, and, and tune out... I think that counts. So I don't, I don't know. I, 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 maybe I'm wrong and if someone can correct me, that's fine. But I suspect there's a novelty value to this and people tune in and go, you know what, these four guys can't play golf. Possibly. This is just a I, 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 I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to know because if it was really 400,000 people solidly watching that, that's a remarkably high number. I, I'd be very surprised. It's more if it was. than live. Hey,
1: It's much more than left. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely right. Um, And I, you know, I I did my best to watch an hour of live and didn't get past 20 minutes.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, And the last 18 of those were like pulling teeth. So, um, but all this brings me on to another goal, As people saying we don't have enough goals. Um, It's Masters Week, my friend. It is Masters Week, which is is. the beginning of the spring, the beginning of the golf season. Everything's right in the world in Masters Week. And, um, you know, there's extra spice this time around with obviously the, I think there's 18 live golfers playing in the... In the tournament this year, so that's going to be really, really interesting. Because if you look at um, what they've done so far this year on the live tour, the, you know the big name players, they've been nowhere, right? They just haven't been featuring. It's been it's been the journeyman, it's been the young guys, it's been the no names who were obviously much hungrier, uh, and they've been they've been up at the top of the leaderboard. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the likes of Brooks Koepka and Dustin Johnson get themselves ready to play Augusta and whether they can jump that competitive barrier and, you know, be, be match fit, Rog, which you know we know how important that is in football. And it feels to me like it should be that important in golf, but maybe, you know, maybe Augusta brings that out of these guys and they just click in. So I'm going to be fascinated to watch it. Uh, yeah, as long as Patrick Reed doesn't win, you know, I just want to see a good tournament. Hmm. I, I can't think of anything worse than Patrick Reed winning the Green Jacket again. That would just be the worst story. That that will be my own goal for the next six weeks.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. You know, you say because you know you're very close to the golf thing with, with Eddie and Giles and 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 Colin and a lot of people that really took the live thing badly. I think I I won't be watching the Masters thinking that's Live Guy and he's not doing well. He is doing well. You know, I I just it's not it's not. You a won't be able to avoid me. it. You won't be able to avoid I know, it. I, if you're... <laughs> I know, I know, But you know, it, it, it's it's a shame. It's a shame because it kind of takes away from what is a great one of the great sports assets, um, the Masters. Well, glad you well, say that. But but there's a chance it actually adds
0: some really extra spice to it, right? If you've got why? Rory and Patrick well, Reed going down the stretch. Well, look, whether you like it or not, the beef is there, and it will amp up.
1: How what it means to everybody watching it it may not not be you but but you'll get dragged into that you're bound to be okay all right but no listen it's, it's a great thing coming up and i've seen that they've lengthened the course and some of the iconic holes and everything like that it is one of one of the what i always call the marquee hollywood sports assets that are not susceptible to all the things i talk about about rights maybe going down about you know the masters of the Masters, you know, and even if it is four days over four rounds and 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 it's got a cut, who cares? You know, they do a great job in the marketing. They've got a great app and everything like that. So it is it is the start of the sporting summer. You know, the summer, the sporting summer starts here.
0: Absolutely right, mate. Absolutely right. But well, what else have I got for you? Um, uh, yeah, I think I think we've, we've talked a little bit about football, Rog. But uh, this is only a quick one. But another goal, funnily enough. um, how good is this Premier League race with Arsenal and Man City this year? I mean, forget the other teams, but the two of them on a collision course. I think they play like back end of April, twenty sixth, twenty seventh, somewhere around there of April. They play at the Etihad, yeah, yeah, um, which is just going to be immense because two teams. It's tough to choose between them. I hope, I hope Arsenal win. I would love to see Arsenal win the league this year. I think that for me and my traditional football values, to say nothing of them being Collins' team. I would love to see the Arsenal win it this year, and they're playing such good football. But four-two Man City against Liverpool, four-one Arsenal this week. I mean, it's just it's just building into a just a fantastic yeah. crescendo again, and I, and I can't wait to see what plays out.
1: Well, we said we said this, that, you know, the last time the, the English Premiership this year is doing really really great. Also, the relegation battle, yeah. which you're not, which you're not in, um, just as well. You've collected all those points so far because your oh, season is over. You're not winning another game, Grant. You know that. Oh
0: no, no, no! We'll win, we'll win another game or two, but no more than that. We we, we turn into one and a half wonders. All right, well, I'll have a bet with you on the podcast. Dinner when I see you in Como if we win another game this season.
1: Right, okay, that's not. It shouldn't be an evens bet that, but I'll give you evens because right, you I'm dessert, a nice guy. If, you can have dessert if they don't win a game, and I won't right, have one right, if they do. It? I'm telling you, they. <laughs> and, 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 but apart from you know the, the the flex against Fulham, it's just the reality. Fulham is one of the very few teams in the English Premiership that's got nothing to play for. You know, yeah, uh, th- there's about ten of them playing for relegation. You saw you played one of them yesterday, Bournemouth. You know, and the the teeth and the claws are out there to get every single yep, point. Yeah, and and the. Uh, the top end top four and everything like that what more can I say about Arsenal that I've not already said um City quite interestingly I thought they played better yesterday without Haaland without Uh, Haaland yeah 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 um which has been one of my things uh, remember that thing about Liverpool? Oh, they're back since yeah, yeah, that yeah. game. You since that, it. they're they're done. They're done, man. Uh, let's see today, United, because it will be interesting. But it's a great product. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. But but as I said to you, this thing about that offside rule is so annoying, Grant. It's so annoying, you know, because w- normal fans think like this. You see the game at the stadium or the TV. You say he's off and you don't see the flag. Your eye immediately goes to the linesman. You don't see the flag. You say, because normally, if it's an offside thing, it means it's a, a, a dangerous situation. All oh, right, let's get up. Edge of the seat stuff either breaks down or doesn't break down, and then he puts his flag up. What are they thinking? In what world do they think that's what the fan is looking for? You know?
0: No, I, I hear. I, I get why they're doing it, but it, it doesn't make sense to me either. Well, listen, I'm going I'm to jump in again, Roger. I'm hogging the line like this week, but there's a goal... That I want to bring up that you're going to end up talking about, so that's why that's why I'm going to bring it All up, right. and that is the the article you published today um, about LVMH and the Berkshire Hathaway Sport. I thought it was absolutely exceptional. And, Thank you. Um, From and you, that's what, that means a lot. Listening to this, uh, who hasn't read it, it's on the Albaquilla website. But Roger, talk about it because I, I thought it was uh, it was a brilliant observation and and a really important opinion that you put out there. So just just tell people a little bit about it.
1: Where to start? Well, it started with. Um... Another one of our clique, I like to call him the clique, uh, Michael Sutherland, um, who is doing great stuff at Real Madrid, he sent me the podcast uh, of uh, LVMH, uh, a three-hour podcast about how Bernard Arnault had picked up over the years a collection of luxury and fashion assets and and moulded them into a cohesive uh, conglomerate where the the balance of capital, of the assets, of synergies, cross-fertilisation, economies of scale, all works beautifully and you know uh, the articles about how grant in the 80s that used to be a thing in Britain. You know, you did a wonderful video with uh, Nigel Rudd of Williams, PLC, who was one of those conglomerates uh, in the 80s. And and the playbook is a beautiful thing. It it, it has been lost a little bit, you know, in a world of PE, funds and a world of a different way of thinking of investing because everything always went up and to the right. But when things do not go up and to the right, when cost of capital means that some assets are distressed, um, special situations, then the talented conglomerate builder and the most obvious one is Bernard Arnault and Warren Buffett they can do amazing things by bringing assets together and making them work together beautifully and I was suggesting in this article that this is the moment for the, the sports conglomerate to come about. PE would say they should be doing that but as I was saying, I don't think they do get really in deep and dirty into you know finding those economies of scale and synergies and you know, all of that. They kind of just bet on TV rights going up and betting markets opening up. And I don't think they're doing what you know a Hanson would do, a Jimmy Goldsmith would do, uh, a Nigel Rudd would do. And I just think there's a moment now when sports assets are going to be distressed that somebody that is well-financed can come in and create the Berkshire Hathaway of sport or the LVMH of sport. And I would just, you know, thought that through. It's a long article. I I use the example of one of the guys from the podcast, James Yandel, who is doing that a little bit and, you know, is probably going to do it a little bit more. There's some multi-club people out there like 777, Juan Arcanegas we've had on this podcast from 777. You know, I, apart from the fact that multi-club is now getting a hard time from UEFA and FIFA and everything like that, that's not what I mean what I mean is what I alluded to earlier Grant which is the skill of the corporate finance is to see that some businesses are capital light and actually throw off cash insurance is a good one sports should be another one given it gets its season tickets and yeah. TV money up front and if you've got money up front, it means you're working capital positive from day one and you can go and do some amazing things with that. You can take that money like Buffett does with the insurance, what he calls float, the premiums up front, and he buys other businesses. And and he's created something that, that is amazing. So I think, and of course it's, it's a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm fantasizing, it's meant to be an entertaining article. I think we're entering the era of the sports conglomerate.
0: Look, and and I think, again, it brings us back to what we were talking about earlier on in terms of why aren't they profitable? Because all that money that they have up front gets funneled out to players and agents, you know? And it's, uh, yeah, I thought the points you made were really, really good, Rog, and, and and I think they'll hit home with exactly the people you would think they would because everything you said makes sense, particularly in the world we're in now, you know? It may not have worked in the years gone by, But we are heading into a period where I suspect that that model is going to be just about the only model that works. And and look, with any luck, it it will lead to serious conversations about salary caps and it will lead to these clubs being bought by people who aren't reliant upon constant rollover of funding. Uh, And so therefore, if we have to borrow another billion, we'll borrow another billion. You know, People will have to be much more uh, sensible about how they allocate the capital. And if if that's the case, if, if sports teams start getting bought by serious business people... Not financiers, but business people. It's a very, very different world, and you'll start to have some very, very different conversations around those tables.
1: Yeah, well, that's what I would like to hope. I, you know, there's two or three people that I'm quite close to that think like that, and and we'll see. I, I think the next, you know, the next five years are going to be really interesting. Uh, so, thanks for bringing that up, coming from you, that 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 is great. Thank you. I, I've got something that I, I want to. I think it's only fair to do this this is a goal um, I'd, I'd like to say point out two people Sharon Davis and Michael Vaughan yes. Sharon Sharon Davis uh, both of these people for different reasons have been given an extremely hard time by the world that we live in today and they're two great sports people from the the, the island of Great Britain Sharon Davis has fought against transgender women in sport ruining the glory of female sport Uh, She's taken all kinds of heat from that, you know, J.K. Rowling-esque. And, you know, here's a quote here. Without her energy and bravery, it's possible that Seb Coe at the World Athletics could not have done what he's done in his decision to ban transgender women from competing in his thing. And I think he's following swimming and rugby and that some others and, and, and then the article goes on and explains some others have taken a different way so well done Sharon Davis against the teeth of consensus easy virtue signalling she stood up for something the other one is Michael Vaughan who again an ex guest of this podcast casually thrown under the career and reputation bus because one person accused him mm-hmm. of racism at the time. Now, he's been cleared of that this week. He's been cleared of that. The people that dropped him, I want to see what they say now. That includes the BBC, you know, I think the... Who are already
0: apparently in talks
1: to have him come back. And the sponsors. You know, like you can't behave like that folks you can't be so weak to blow with the wind such that Salem-esque you get called a witch by anybody and all of a sudden you ditch them as if they're yesterday's rubbish you cannot do that and then think you can go back and hire them you need to be better than that and I don't know what he said and what he didn't say but there's an old way that we used to work which is innocent until proven guilty and look what happened with Vaughan. And they, the ones that took those decisions, should absolutely be ashamed of themselves.
0: Yeah, here, yeah, yeah. here, I agree with every word of that, and I echo every sentiment in it, Roger. I think that what they did to Michael Vaughan was absolutely disgraceful. And look, it's not—it's ni- nice to actually see that the appeals committee and the, or the commission or whatever it was come out against the ECB for throwing him under the bus and being brave enough to call them on it, right? Which we know also takes some backbone because you know going into that there was a a very definite outcome that was required of that committee and they didn't deliver it so look I mean you just have to feel sorry for Michael Vaughan but but I tell you what Rog how classy has he been the way he's handled it both in the heat of it and also afterwards you know just just remarkable to show that kind of to show that kind of dignity and that kind of class you just have to take your hat off to him and, and hope that the the damage that's been done to him over the last year from a from a personal and a mental standpoint, isn't something he can't recover from because he doesn't deserve it. And uh, I was delighted to see the news this week. Absolutely delighted.
1: Great. Let's end with um, something that just reminds us about the crazy times we live in, Grant. This is about the lawyer of Donald Trump, ex-president Donald Trump. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes. Now, you could not, you could not make this up, even if you were scripting a DC Comics Batman movie with grotesque penguins and two faces and and, and all of these characters. You could not make this up. The lawyer of Donald Trump, who's defending him on the the porn star Stormy Daniels case, even there you could stop, even there. Uh, The lawyer defending him is Joe Tacopina. Takopina I can't remember how it's pronounced Takopina Now Joe Takopina These are people that live in a different world of values These days For many years And very famously in 2018 He was on every media that counted Slamming Donald Trump About what he did It's all out there. You can look at anybody's... Mm -hmm. It's all out there. These videos are out there. The the juxtaposition with what he's now saying last week, trying to defend Trump now that he has been uh, retained by him. Just... Unbel- I mean, like, sorry if if MD gets offended by this, but I'd like to make the 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 comparison. This is Palm Sunday. Uh, forget whether it's religious or not, but Palm Sunday is uh, about uh, coming to Jerusalem and being lauded as the king and the greatest guy ever, and a thrown palms in in your feet so you don't have to work in the pavements. Four days later, you're being crucified. Right so th- th- this isn't new stuff and why is this on a sports podcast because he is the president of Spal which is one of the Italian football teams and has been involved in three others which are Roma, Bologna and Venezia. He is a major player in Italian football. And, you know, I saw him this week and these videos coming out and I, would, and I put myself into my old job as head of a league I, and imagine it was Serie A or whatever and he turns up and you have to try and deal with somebody like this. This is somebody, Grant, that goes to the end, at the end of the game, takes his shirt off, throws it into the crowd with the ultras and, you know, he's he's been in the, the, the gym, he's a well-built guy. You know, he can't even speak Italian. You know, he can't even speak Italian. He's one of these awful, awful Guido type figures. And I can say that because, you know, I come from an Italian family. So it's not a racist thing. It's the worst of Italians that go there and they're from New York or New Jersey. You know, nothing about Italy. And, you know, when I saw him doing that stuff with Trump, Grant, I just thought, oh, no, this is just horrible, horrible stuff.
0: But yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's it's just a clown, Roger. I mean, it's an absolute clown. But I thought what I thought was interesting. You sent me a couple of links, and one of them, the headline was uh, "Trump lawyer lunges at TV host during something meltdown." Right? Yeah, yeah. No, he didn't. <laughs> right? It, 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 he he leant across to try and take the paper out of the gold, get him to put the paper down while he's, while yeah, he was talking yeah. over him. Yeah. And you think, why don't you just let him? trash himself why Why do you need to do this whole yeah, yeah. lunges at host in meltdown you don't have to say that he's making yeah. a fool of himself already just just leave it because you just make yourself out to be just as bad as the other side by saying oh lunge and meltdown it's just all of it Rog you're right the, the, the world we live in is just absolutely shocking now. It is and shocking. I, none of these, people, none of these people have any shame. None of them. They're all as bad as each this other. Is,
1: but this is the thing. But let, Let's take the last couple of minutes to, to, to get you to do what you do so well. I read that this Stormy Daniels stuff is actually working for Trump in his bid to become president again, i.e. it's, it's mobilising the base in that Carl yeah. Rove thing. How is that possible, Grant? How can Oh, somebody...
0: Oh, come on, Roger. That's, how that's, ba- that's... I mean,
1: is Americans that bad a shape that they're going to vote for somebody just because he's that. not... Look, you know, you know how polarised
0: everybody is right now, right? If you, in the run-up to an election, try and uh, indict your, potentially, your main rival... It, look, A, it's Banana Republic stuff, right? You it try is. and put your, your... in jail, yes. B... I, I was listening to the news today and they were saying that, that Trump's lawyers are negotiating with the New York Attorney General as to how he's going to uh, turn himself in, how he's going to appear. And I wouldn't be at all surprised... I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Trump was saying, I want to be in handcuffs, and the Attorney General saying, no, 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 we don't you know, want you in handcuffs, right? Yeah, yeah, Because the visuals of Trump in handcuffs mobilises his base. He'll probably get so much money thrown at him in donations... Both for his legal defense tragic, and for his grant. campaign. It is, it's, no, it's absolutely tragic. It's tragic. But it just shows you that, that we don't have any politicians anymore, Roger. No. Because no. if you were a politician, if you were a skilled politician, you wouldn't have gone anywhere near this because it's, it's such an own goal. It's such an own goal as to be just so, so pointless to do it right now. You know there, there are ways you can deal with this stuff without making the guy a martyr, and that's effectively what they're going to be doing on Monday or Tuesday when he when he's arraigned. Think of the news cycle; it's going to be all over the news cycle, and CNN and MSNBC will castigate him, and Fox will stand up for him, just like they always have done. It doesn't matter if he was in handcuffs or not; it's the same story is going to be told on every single uh, network. Y- you know what the narrative is; it, it's pre-set. So all you're doing is you're solidifying his base. It was, what, the only interesting part of it, I thought, was DeSantis coming out and rallying around Trump and talking about, you know, the rule of law being weaponized in an election. Obviously, that's self-serving as well. He hopes he'll yes. get the nomination. I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. But, Raj, I hate to tell you, they're no better or worse in America than they are in the UK. You know, I saw, you know, the stuff you see in, in the UK is every bit as bad. Yeah. as it is down here in Australia. We just had elections down here in Australia. It's just, you watch these politicians on the news and they're so ordinary. And I mean that yeah. in the worst possible yeah. way. Yeah, They're not ordinary people, they're ordinary intellects. And I, 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 I don't know, I, I, I despair. I really do. I don't know... How much further down we go before we go
1: up again? Hopefully, we do, but
0: I think we've got a way to go. Sadly, mate, to tell so, you. So,
1: but so you think that you know, in a few months, we are going to have a rerun of Biden versus Trump? That's the choice for the American people. Look, it's possible. I wouldn't
0: say it's probable at this point. It's definitely possible. The one thing I feel pretty sure of is this: this election campaign is is not going to be straightforward. There will be all kinds of twists and turns and surprises and stuff in this. I, I don't think this is going to be two candidates, early days, destined for a collision course. I, I don't think that at all. I think there's going to be all kinds of bumps in the road, Rog. Sadly, because that those are the times we live in. And, uh, you know, it, it maybe they could just decide not to have anyone in the White House for four years and just take a break I think that might be the best the best answer for everybody Um, well look mate before we finish uh, I just want one quick own goal uh,
1: oh okay Chelsea
0: (laughs) so anyway listen we hope you've uh, we hope you've had a good time (laughs) listening to us we've had as much fun doing this as we always do Uh, our thanks to all of you for listening and the constant feedback we get (laughs) that's it it. just uh,
1: Chelsea one word just (laughs) Chelsea just Chelsea (laughs) just (laughs) Chelsea Um, we did say that <laughs> insane bully, really, 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 really insane. <laughs> Church, from a good West London derby guy. Oh, look, Roger, I say that I say that
0: with complete impartiality, obviously, obviously. <laughs> Anyway, as I was saying, uh, thanks to you out there for listening. Um, please do continue sending us uh, the, all the feedback you get. We love it and we read all of it and it's uh, it's really helpful. If you don't follow us on Twitter, that's very easy to remedy. You'll find us at Entertained R, the word A-R-E. You can find me at
1: T-T-M-Y-G-H. And you can find myself at RPM Como, as in the lake. As in the lake. Until next time, my friend. Take care. Thanks, Grant. Safe home now. Safe home. Thank you, mate.